This is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. What if the Omicron variant had a little brother? Kind of does. Scientists paying attention to a variant of the variant, Omicron relative BA2, found in Europe, few cases in the U.S., We'll get to know this one. Ethical questions are being raised about a hospital refusing to perform a heart transplant until a man gets vaccinated for COVID. So far, he's refusing to get the shots, even as the hospital is balking at going through with the transplant. And each time the restaurants have started to climb out of this pandemic, another variant arrives, new wave of infections. We'll hear from a restaurant owner. Let's start, though, with BA2 and Omicron. This is Robert Gary, professor of microbiology and immunology at the Tulane University School of Medicine. So, uh, doctor, is the most accurate way to describe this as a uh, kind of sub-variant of the variant? Well, yes, you have the Omicron variant, and then this is a, you know, an, another variant. It's split off into two different branches, basically. And in terms of levels of concern, what do we know about it? Uh, what do we think about it? Well, it's uh, called a variant of interest in some places, like the UK. I'm not sure that the CDC has quite raised it to that level yet, but it's something to keep an eye on, um, but nothing to really be too concerned about. We've seen variants come and go. So what, what makes this distinguished from a, and I'll, again, I'll use it, maybe it's an imprecise uh, word, but a true variant. Uh, how does this differ uh, than when uh, Omicron emerged uh, after we had Delta? Yeah. So what we've seen is um, these variants, they come with a lot of different mutations, you know, changes in the um, genome of the virus, you know, the coding part of the virus. Um, and so this variant, this BA2, is, is really a lot like Omicron. And, you know, we call it the original Omicron BA1. This is a, you know, a sub, you know, a, a, a sub division of that one uh, in terms of the, the mutations that it has. It has some of the original mutations, maybe a few more. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of overlap. Okay. And if there is that overlap, there might be reason to think on the whole, it's not a whole lot worse than the one we've already got. That's right. You know, some of the changes, you know, we can't really predict. Uh, it's just a wait and see game. Okay. So sort of in line with that, uh, Pfizer today is saying that it is... Uh, uh, working at uh, testing anyway now, it's uh, specifically geared toward Omicron uh, COVID vaccine, but they're saying that it would be about a month more before they have the tests done and they would have to uh, produce all the vaccines. But the way the, the Omicron uh, infection rate is going in this country, it, it does seem to have peaked in many parts of the country anyway. Is this a vaccine that's likely to ever see the light of day? Um, I mean, it depends on how long Omicron sticks around. Um, and, you know, we probably have a, a, you know, a month or so or longer uh, of Omicron and maybe some of its subvariants uh, coming at us. So, you know, it, it's a good idea to, to make this vaccine in case it does hang out and we need it uh, down the line. Um, you know, whether it, you know, makes a difference or not down the line, uh, we'll have to see. I mean, what the important point is, is that, you know, if you get you know, the, the two doses of the vaccine plus the booster, you're at least protected against the most serious outcomes of Omicron. So, you know, they've got something that works pretty well in the current vaccines. Uh, introducing a new one, 
you know, there'd have to be probably a, a, a pretty big difference. Israel is doing the official recommendation for fourth shots for you know older groups. Thoughts on that? Sure. I mean, you know, there are vaccines that we know in the past have required multiple doses. So it, it doesn't really surprise me too much that we're, you know, seeing a, a situation where some countries are recommending a fourth dose of this vaccine. You know, Omicron's pretty different than the original virus as it came out. And, you know, so that little extra boost in the immunity does make a difference. So third dose, good. Maybe fourth dose, better. We'll have to see. Robert Gary, professor of microbiology, immunology, the Tulane University School of Medicine. A man who badly needs a heart transplant and was at the front of the line at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston is no longer eligible for the transplant. Why? Because he's not vaccinated against COVID. Man's family protesting so far he's not budging, even though his very life could depend on it. Standoff raising all kinds of ethical dilemmas. So with us is Dr. Peter Cortona, clinical professor of medicine and infectious diseases at UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine. Doctor, is this kind of a vaccination requirement a usual thing in transplant procedures? Well, it's one side of the spectrum. There's the issue of individual rights versus the rights of the community, rights of healthcare workers, and self-protection. So it, it falls into that category of problems. Transplant programs do come with requirements, though, right? There need, do you have to have certain vaccines for, like, you know, immunity reasons? Because after your body goes through this, uh, you're pretty susceptible, I think, number one. And then number two, there's a whole bunch of lifestyle choices that you kind of have to line up with and be living as healthy as you can before you even are on the list to, to get something, right? You have to meet these criteria anyways. Yeah, heart transplants are very complicated procedures. Lots of things can go wrong from all kinds of opportunistic infections to rejection issues. And each facility that actually does these procedures is going to have a whole list of protocols to follow to be eligible to get the procedure done. One of those things in the protocol is to be vaccinated in a way they think is appropriate. And that's the issue here. So is there a, a way around this? Because from an ethical point of view, there's a, an apparent fix for this particular gentleman, which is a, a new heart. And yes, there are risks, I guess, as you just pointed out, certain infections and maybe being vaccinated against COVID is, is a, a medically good and sound idea. But in an imperfect world, which certainly we are all living in, uh, does there come a point where doctors have an obligation to say, well, okay, you know, without this heart, you're going to die in all probability and soon. So we'll take the risks if you don't want to get the COVID vaccine. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a, it's a complicated process. There are protocols to follow. And without being vaccinated, your risk of failing with a new heart is also much higher. There aren't enough hearts to go around to begin with. So you have to be selective in terms of making sure that everyone who gets a heart is going to be optimized to survive that procedure as long as possible. Right. It's not just about the body that it's going into, right? It's that the organs are scarce. So if we're, you know, basically going to give it to somebody who has a poorer chance of living than others, then we don't want the heart to, not that it would go to waste because it's going to continue this person's life potentially, but we don't want to lose out on the heart living in someone longer than, than this other person. Is that kind of along those lines? Yeah. I mean, 
there, there, there are so many factors here. What, what, is, what is the downside of taking the vaccination? What is the upside of taking the vaccination? Huge, huge chasm difference between those things here. Um, but I think ultimately the institution has the right to demand its protocols be followed. Well, I, I, I guess the thing that, that, that I have, um, I, when I heard about the story earlier, difficulty getting my head around, is that, that here you have a patient who is clearly willing to undertake the risks of a heart transplant but not a COVID vaccination. I find that odd. Do you? Very bizarre. I mean, the way these things have kind of rolled themselves out is, is hard to understand or appreciate. It, it makes no sense at all. The procedure is far, far riskier than taking the vaccination. Dr. Peter Katona, Clinical Professor of Medicine in Infectious Diseases, UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine. Short break, and then restaurant owners have been battered and bruised two years of this pandemic, and uh, heading into the third year, they've got the financial scars to prove it. There is arguably no segment of the economy that's taken a bigger financial beating from the COVID pandemic than restaurants. Restaurants have dealt with both the biggest retreat of customers and some of the most persistent COVID infection outbreaks among employers. California Restaurant Association finding nearly 90% experienced a decline in customer demands for indoor, on-premises dining in recent weeks. More than half have had to reduce the hours. Greg Smith is co-owner of the Smith Brothers Restaurant Corporation that's based in Pasadena. Giving uh, this surge of infections and all that's come before it, how are you guys holding up after two years of this? Um, two years has been an awfully long time. You know, you're up and down and up and down. You're open, close, furlough, hire back, furlough, hire back. Uh, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. Don't wear just one mask, wear two masks. Um, it's been maddening, but, but we're, um, we, we're all about the safety of our guests and the safety of our staff. And uh, we are keeping our places um, sanitized and, and um, extremely clean. And uh, we're, yeah, we're just, we're just uh, trying to make it through all this. What about workers? Can you find any? Uh, workers, have been, <laughs> workers have been a big problem. Um, it's, a, it's a constant struggle. Um, we're fairly well hired up now, but it's taken a long time to get there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's been a big issue. What about, uh, like, keeping the shifts the way they're supposed to be staffed, given, you know, the last month you've had people calling out, they get sick, they got to stay home for the week, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and then we're down one, or then we're down two, and then... And then we have to maybe close a station or two. Um, yeah, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. I'll tell you that for sure. Or, you know, or our fellow uh, restaurateurs, fellow, uh, fellow retailers. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been a tough situation for everyone. I would imagine you can't, plan really anything can you because you don't know if 
you know, the Omicron variant's going to go away and another variant's going to come back, or if, uh, you know, now, you know, you were mentioning we went from one mask to, to more significant masks, and maybe the next step will be everyone should be in a hazmat suit. How, how do you, how do you <laughs> well, plan? Well, now, uh, as of, I think, the 17th of this month, everyone is in an N95 or a KN95, and and um, I guess, to my knowledge, those are surgical masks. And, uh, and so all of our, our staff are wearing the 95s. In terms of, you know, customer volume, the diners coming in, have you seen that? Do you think people are just kind of spooked because we're in the middle of the surge and then maybe you're hoping let's just get further into February and, and people will be feeling better about coming out to eat again? Yeah, our, our business is... Um, definitely down uh, since the Omicron. Um, so we're just, we're just trying our, our, our best to follow the rules and, and uh, just kind of hang in there. Do you ever, uh, do you ever wish you're in a different business? <laughs> well, I've only been doing this for 50 years, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to stick with so, it. So it's too late now to change. <laughs> right. It's a little too late now to change. All right. But, but you know, yes, we have been affected. Uh, no question about it. Have we been, you know, affected um, tremendously? Probably not. But um, it's uh, it, it certainly isn't pleasant. All right. Well, we're glad you're hanging in. Greg Smith, co-owner of the Smith Brothers Restaurant Corporation, based in Pasadena. We end today's uh, broadcast with cannabis and COVID. There are some preliminary data. It's very preliminary from lab studies. It suggests that CBD and other marijuana derivatives could, could combat the coronavirus. But definitive answers, they're only going to come from clinical trials. But even those scant early findings will likely be enough for CBD and marijuana producers to launch a full-on marketing blitz claiming their products will help you beat COVID. Now, technically, CBD makers cannot make the claim that pot will stop COVID without a sign-off by the FDA, but we're already starting to see some marijuana companies tiptoe around those rules in order to promote CBD's power, or alleged power anyway, against COVID. So don't believe the hype about CBD and COVID, at least not yet. You can find this Odyssey original on the Odyssey app, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.